Hello, friends, and welcome to Everyday Truth with Kurt Skelly. We're here to show that the Bible is relevant to your life every single day. And we're so glad you joined us here for the conversation. Our study of 3 John is focusing on the theme, No Greater Joy. Now let's join Kurt for today's episode. Welcome, friends, to today's episode of Everyday Truth. I have one of my very favorite mugs with me today. It is my Connecticut Dunkin' Donuts mug right there. That is a precious mug that carries with it some very precious Dunkin' Donuts coffee quite often. Matter of fact, Connecticut, I think about Connecticut, Massachusetts, that's kind of like the epicenter of a Dunkin' Donuts coffee. I've got a bunch of those. I do actually collect Starbucks mugs as well um, because it's really, it's like Starbucks gets a bad rap. Like, I don't like Starbucks drip coffee. I want to be clear about that. But like the other specialty drinks, the Americanos, even the pour over blonde roast, they're acceptable. So I'm not nearly as judgmental about coffee as some of you think that I am. But I, I certainly do love Dunkin' Donuts. It's no Tim Hortons, but it, but it is good. Hey, uh, enough of all that. Uh, we are in a brand new book of the Bible uh, today. We're in the book of 3 John, uh, No Greater Joy. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in truth. Uh, maybe you've heard that verse. Maybe you've said that about your own children. I remember uh, when I was, oh my, I think it was my 12th birthday that my mother bought me a Bible. It's not that I didn't have a Bible before that, but I didn't have a really quality Bible. And I remember she bought me a quality Bible. And in that Bible, uh, she wrote my name and then put this verse. Third John, let me see, it's verse four. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in truth. So I uh, appreciate uh, you know, having a, a godly example uh, growing up. And I know that many of you have that heart for your own children. And this is a great book uh, for us to understand not only that great principle, but really some great principles about you know, what kind of church members exist in local churches, uh, what, what, what would be a good example of a model church member? We'll see that at the beginning of this letter. And then uh, what would be an example of a toxic church member or even toxic leadership in the local church? We're gonna see that as well as the, uh, as the book progresses. But today, let's just kind of cover uh, the first part of it, uh, beginning at verse one, uh, where the Bible says, the elder unto the well-beloved Gaius, whom I love in the truth. So remember, anytime you study a book of the Bible, you want to ascertain as best you can, who is the human author here? Uh, who, who is the human audience? And, um, and, and really, what's, what's the purpose of, of the writing? And you ought to be able to, to, to determine that. Now, do we know in every case definitively who an author is? Not, not always. Most of the time we do. And, and, and we know always that, that God's Holy Spirit is the author. You say, well, okay, well, if God's writing the Bible, then what does it really matter uh, what human being he used? Well, it does matter because God distills truth in and through the personality of people whom he's made. So the tool he uses is also very important. And then always remember this, not all the Bible was written to you. 
And I know that sounds a little bit sacrilegious, but not all the Bible was written to you, but all the Bible was written for you. So understand that. There's a big hermeneutical difference between those two statements. Not all the Bible was written to you, but all the Bible was written for you. That's why it's important that we understand to whom was this written and why. And then, then and only then can we begin to extract some great principles about how this may apply to me, how this may apply to my church, to my family. And that's exactly what we intend to do as we dive in. So who's the author? Well, the Bible says the elder. Now, what we know from church history is that this referred to John. So we wrote, we know that John wrote the gospel of John. We know that John wrote first John and second John. And the book of Revelation was written by John and the book of third John. And there's never really been much argument about that from the earliest church fathers that the elder here refers to John. Now remember, John was the last of the apostles to pass away. Uh, the, the first 11 all died martyrs deaths. And what's very interesting is John's brother, James, remember James and John, the, the sons of thunder, well, James was the first to die well, way back when, Acts chapter 12, remember that? And then uh, John here is the last to die. He doesn't even die a martyr's death, although he is tortured. Um, he dies as an old, old man. So this letter probably written way late in his life. He's the elder here, and he's writing a man by the name of Gaius. Now, there are several references to a man named Gaius in the Bible, in Romans and 1 Corinthians and Acts. But because the name Gaius is a common name, like, like the name John is today, or uh, you know many other names, David or whatever, are common names, it would probably be unwise for us to try to determine, well, this must be this guy or that guy. We just don't know. And so it's better for us not to assume what we don't know. So John is writing to Gaius, and he says, I'm writing to the well-beloved Gaius. Now, we know that John loves him, because we're going to see that here in the next verse. Um, My beloved, the one whom he loves in the truth. Matter of fact, we see it right here in this truth, uh, in, in rather in this verse, whom I love in the truth. But the Bible says here, he's the well-beloved Gaius. So that means that others, this is the way he's known. Uh, this is the attitude and affection that other people have for him. So here's a man because of his character, because of his behavior, because of his disposition, uh, is loved by many, the well-beloved Gaius. And then John adds, whom I love. And remember our study uh, in the book of 2 John uh, last week, where uh, we learned that truth and love uh, are two sides of opposite sides of the same coin, uh, whom I love in the truth, that we cannot love people biblically unless we're loving them according to the truth. And so truth and love go together, don't they? And what John is saying is I love him in the truth. I, I love him. There, there is a camaraderie, a love that's founded upon their mutual belief in and fellowship of the Lord Jesus Christ. Look at verse number two, uh, where John says, beloved. So uh, he's speaking specifically to Gaius now. He says, beloved, I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in health, 
even as thy soul prosperous, prospereth. So there's a lot, there's a lot going on in this verse. So first of all, just think about the reiteration of what Gaius says about, uh, what John says about Gaius, beloved. So three times now in the space of just a few short words, a few, few short uh, words, one and a half verses, uh, John has stressed the love that he and others have for Gaius. He's the well-beloved Gaius, whom I love in the truth. Beloved. Wow. There's just an affirmation of love three times before he tells him anything. And I think that's a really great template for life's relationships that people ought to know before they they hear instruction from us, uh, before they get information from us, uh, before there would be sometimes a rebuke from us, there needs to be this affirmation of love. Why? Because in the safety and the affirmation of acceptance and love, good decisions can be made. You know, it's in the context of love that God comes to us. Uh, We are loved. We are accepted in the beloved. It's not that we perform for God so that he'll love us. No, because he loves us, we want to serve God. We don't work for God's love. We work from God's love. We don't work for God's acceptance. We work from God's acceptance. There's a really big difference there. Uh, I think about the book of 2 Timothy in chapter 1, where Paul was really trying to encourage a, a, uh, a man that was, was shrinking back a bit in his faith. Timothy was growing a bit ashamed uh, of the, the gospel. And, and Paul had to reaffirm in Timothy's life his stand for God and remind him of his call of God. But what's interesting is before Paul ever rebuked Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 1, he affirmed his love. I, I love you're my son. You're my beloved son. I love you. And let me just encourage parents and and pastors, uh, leaders and Christian brethren, hey, let's be careful to make sure that we are affirming the relationship before we are giving instruction. And so John does that three times here. And then he says this, Beloved, I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in health, even as thy soul prospereth. So again, as we saw in the last book we studied, there were certain standard greetings back in Bible days, and we talked about some of them. Remember, grace and peace, grace and peace. Even today in Israel, shalom. Uh, These are standard greetings. And a standard expression of nicety back in Bible days was found, the one found here in verse two. Um, I wish that that thou mayest be, prosper and be in health, prosper and be in health. That's kind of like, uh, um, I wish you well. I, I hope you do well. Um, uh, and, but, but it's much more than just a standard greeting because watch, what, watch how John gives the greeting. I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper, that in other words, that things may be go, go well for you circumstantially and be in health, that would be physical health. But then watch this even as thy soul prosperous. So uh, John says, Gaius, here's what I long for you. I long that the circumstances of your life, 
and the health that, that you enjoy are as sound and as healthy as you are spiritually. I, I wish for you to have physical health that is as noticeable as your spiritual health. Boy, think about that statement. That's an amazing statement. Now, I, I wonder, what if, what if today you were as physically healthy as you are spiritually healthy? How healthy would you be? I'm afraid that some Christians would be in the ICU unit at the hospital. I'm afraid that some Christians might have uh, you know, just a, a, a few hours to live. I'm afraid that some might you know, be deathly, deathly ill. Some might have a nagging cough if I were as healthy physically as I were spiritually. So what a prayer. It tells me two things. First of all, John had great confidence in the way Gaius walked with God. He had confidence. And you know, often that's the case with biblical leadership is that they could notice things about the people whom they mentored. And Gaius was certainly somebody whom John mentored. We're gonna see later that he calls him my child in the faith. So Gaius probably was led to Christ by John. Certainly he was somebody that was, was taught and brought along, discipled by John. But, but it's interesting, he said, I, I, I want you to be as healthy as your soul is prospering. So, so what did John know about Gaius? He knew that, John, that, that Gaius had a healthy walk with God. I think about what uh, the Apostle Paul told the Thessalonians in 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, when he said, hey, I've heard about your work of faith and your labor of love and your patience of hope. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm knowing, brethren, beloved, your election of God. So what was Paul saying? Paul was saying, well, I have confidence in your walk with God. I, I know that you're saved. I can see it. <laughs> Sometimes we talk about the assurance of salvation. Uh, are you assured that someone else is saved? Now, I know that we can't never really see someone's heart. But what, what Paul was saying is, well, I can see the evidence in your life. What John is saying here is, wow, I can see the evidence in your life. And I wish that the circumstances of your life, prosperity, and the health of your body would always match uh, the spiritual health that you have. Now, does that mean that uh, if a person is sick physically, that somehow God's judging them? Does that mean that if a person's struggling circumstantially in his life, that that means that God is in some way punishing him? Of course not. Uh, we don't, we can't control people's circumstances. And sometimes the best Christians get sick. I think about Job. I think about Paul. I think about others in the Bible that were sick and they were right with God. Everybody dies and this, this, this life of ours ends and we, our bodies get worse and worse. That doesn't mean that we're getting more and more sinful. As believers, the opposite is true. We ought to be becoming, we ought to be becoming more and more like Christ. So what, what's, what's John getting at? What John's getting at here is this is my desire for you. And therefore, this is my prayer for you. And our desire for other believers is that things ought to go well for them. Our, our earnest desire is that they would be healthy and, and circumstances would be good in their life. You know, I'm, I'm afraid that sometimes in our Christian circles, we almost kind of take a, a little bit of a, 
kind of a weird delight when other people suffer or when another ministry, when our ministry is doing well and doing better than somebody else's ministry. That's a really carnal attitude to have. Now, it ought to, it ought to bless us and we ought to wish for others to be successful. We ought to wish for and hope for others to be healthy and strong, uh, both in ministry and in life. That's a sign of a mature believer. I'm not competitive. I'm not petty. I don't want you to, uh, I I don't want your ministry to suffer so that mine looks better. No, I, I truly have a desire for you to be in spiritual, physical, and circumstantial health. And that's what John was driving at. It was the desire of his heart. That might be a good checkpoint for you and me right now. Just to look at my heart. Do I have a heart that desires the best for other believers? And if I don't, boy, take that thing to the Lord. He loves you. He's affirmed that love. And let the love that God has for you, the affirming, unconditional love of God, do a work of grace in your heart so that you'll have that kind of desire for the success of other believers. So I hope that helps uh, today. Looking forward to just diving a little bit further in this book. Appreciate you joining us for the journey. God bless you, my friends. Thanks for taking time to listen. If Everyday Truth matters to you, go ahead and subscribe to the podcast or share it with a friend. Until next time, God bless.